In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. This weekend is the only time in three years when we'll hear from the book of Habakkuk. Five verses from this prophet's book make up our first reading at Mass. And even though Habakkuk is a little book with a funny name, its main theme is anything but little. Habakkuk is going to address the question of evil. Notice the opening verse of the passage. How long, O Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. Habakkuk's cry is a familiar one among the Old Testament prophets. God, who is all good, seems to let a lot of not good stuff happen. Habakkuk isn't very specific as to exactly what injustice is happening, but context clues later on in the first chapter indicate for us that the prophet was living just prior to the time of the Babylonian invasion. Habakkuk sees the Israelites' sinful living, and then God explains to him that the Babylonians, also called the Chaldeans, will be arriving soon to teach the Israelites a lesson. All the while, God also tells Habakkuk that he needs to write down a vision. Now, humorously, like that's so raven, Habakkuk doesn't really describe for us what he sees in the vision. Instead, the vision is a sentence. The rash one has no integrity, but the just one, because of his faith, shall live. Habakkuk's vision is a message, something along the lines of keep living an upright life, because that's the only path to life when these Babylonians arrive. The biggest scholarly debate with regards to our first reading surrounds the moment when God tells Habakkuk to write down the vision clearly upon the tablets so that one can read it readily. Our translation at Mass doesn't quite capture the nuance because more literally, God's instruction to Habakkuk is to write so that the one who reads it may run. It's a funny phrase, and scholars are divided as to just what it means. Some say that the writing should be so clear and legible that someone could read it while running, while others say that the writing should be such that the prophet himself could run around while delivering the message. Our translation at Mass opts for the former, and thus we have the vision on the tablets being such that one can read it readily. After hearing from St. Paul's first letter to Timothy for the last couple of weekends, we now hear from his second letter to the same person. Paul is writing from prison as he awaits execution. And think of this letter almost like a deathbed conversation scene from a movie, like when Captain Miller is talking to Private Ryan. Paul is fairly certain his earthly life will be ending soon, and so he wants to impart to Timothy wisdom from his experience. Recall that Timothy is the overseer of the church in Ephesus. Paul wants to encourage Timothy, but also warn him that hardships and persecutions are on the horizon. Bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. At the beginning of the passage, Paul presents Timothy with a beautiful image. He reminds him to stir into flame the gift of God he has. Paul says that this gift, this charisma in Greek, was given through the imposition of my hands. Just as with Habakkuk, there's a huge scholarly debate as to what Paul means by this imposition of hands. Was it meant as simply imparting the Holy Spirit from one Christian to another, Or was it meant more as something we would identify as ordination today, a sort of setting apart for specific ministry as a leader of the church? Truth be told, and as you've heard me say across many episodes, we just can't say for certain. Our gospel passage begins with verse 5 of Luke's 17th chapter, but taking a look at the first four verses of the same chapter will bring the full context into view. At the chapter's outset, 
Jesus tells his followers that if a brother harms someone seven times in one day, he ought to be forgiven when he shows contrition. This is a big ask. And so the apostles ask Jesus to add faith to them, translated as increase our faith. In reply, Jesus famously says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. After that, Jesus asks a rhetorical question about a master and a slave. Having slaves was quite common at the time of Jesus, even for those families who were relatively poor. The purpose of the question which Jesus asks is to show that human beings really can't make any demands of God whatsoever. As R. Alan Culpepper says so well, our inclination is to think that if we do what we are commanded, we deserve some reward. Yet Jesus shows us that, just like a master relating to his slave, God owes us nothing at all for living good lives. But in reflecting on that point, God's abundant goodness comes into full view. God doesn't owe us anything at all, and yet he abundantly offers to each person his grace, mercy, and the very hope of eternal life. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.